0: Welcome back to The Cusp, this is Michael Saramella, and shortly I'm gonna be joined by Stace Galbraith to break down everything that happened at Eva last week. It was a huge event for a lot of reasons. Um, we had some major qualification shakeups, some really surprised people jumping onto the 2023 CT, and probably a not so surprised winner on the men's side, but still worth talking about because what John John did out there was unbelievable. So, right now, State's going to come on. We're going to talk about the people who made it, people who didn't make it, and everything in between, and also a little teaser for the Vans Pipe Masters. Let's jump in.
1: Marky C, I'd usually say that I'm a bit sad that the QE's over for another year, but there's contest galore coming up so yeah bring it on what an end of the season
0: what an end and i mean this podcast it's basically just a a victory lap for us because we nailed pretty much every prediction we gave on the last the last cusp we had
1: (laughs) oh wow um well at least we're not competing against buck and danny anymore so you know i guess we only really (laughs) really just lost to ourselves
0: yeah, so for the record, for anybody who wasn't listening or even who was, we'll just do a little recap. Uh, we said that there were, you know, maybe three spots up for grabs in the men's. Of course, only one of them changed, and that was a person that we did not expect to make that leap, which was Michael Rodriguez. Good on you, Michael. He unfortunately kicked out Dylan Moffat. You know, he's young. Cold will bounce back, I'm sure. Then on the female side, we really thought Alyssa Spencer was going to make that leap over Teresa Bonvalo. Turned out not being hurt at all. It was an Australian girl named Sophie McCulloch, who we did reference in our last episode, but we sort of gave her the longest shot of odds you could ever imagine, which, to be fair, she had and she overcame. She had to win the event, and Teresa had to get third or worse, and that is exactly what happened. So, pretty fairy tale story, kind of reminds me a little bit of what happened to, uh, Isabella Nichols earlier this year at Margaret River, except Isabella only had to win. She didn't really have to have somebody else get a certain place too, which is, it's just pretty wild how it unfolded. Yeah.
1: Um, <clears throat> and funnily enough, Sophie McCulloch and Isabella Nichols grew up surfing together. So there's something in the water up there, up on the uh, Sunshine coast. Uh, funnily enough, I text Will Hayden Smith, who seems to be the heir to the throne, maybe junior vice president of tours and competitions. And- Even
0: after he slapped Chris Rock?
1: <laughs> oh Mikey, it's too early for that shit. Yeah, even after he slapped Chris Rock, um, he's doing a great job and uh I was like, hey, what's the scenario? It's like there's um obviously Cal Bell Warren does his spreadsheet, he fucked that up. World Surf Intrigue, they do their graph, which is amazing. Dom, he fucked that up. I reckon I've even balls a few things up this year. They're only counting four results. I reckon I've I reckon I forgot that. Every time we've spoken about it, so (laughs) I text Will and I was like, Hey, just can you give me the scenarios, you know, in you know, Al Hunt format, just a couple of plain lines? And he just texted me the men and I said, Hey, I'm actually not too interested in the men because the men seems fairly straightforward to me. I, I didn't think you said there were going to be three spots up for grabs, I, you know, I didn't really see that changing too much. Um, and you know, I was really interested to see the women and he gave me the women's scenarios. And it obviously finished with, you know, Sophie, Amuro and Zoe all needed to win the event. And I was literally typing out, well, that's not going to happen. And I was like, nah, nah, I'm going to delete that because you just never fucking know. And uh, sure enough, Sophie just went, absolutely went out of body. Uh, and yeah, I can't imagine. You know, she mentioned on Instagram she thought she might wait a few days to, you know, put some words up to describe her, but she's still a bit lost for words. So good on her. Another Aussie on the tour. Um, yeah, frothing for it. Well done.
0: Yeah. So we missed that call. Obviously, we also said the waves were going to be small. That was mostly my bad. But to be fair, Surfline's been. Oh, I'm blaming Koyo for that. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. We'll blame Kuyo. And then. Also, just on the women's front, it's worth noting that Sophie and Teresa had the exact same results this year, not just in their top four, but across all seven events. Obviously, not at the same exact events, but they both had a win two-thirds some ninths and one or two like really low scores that were exactly the same so when that happens the WSL goes back to first and foremost the amount of heat wins that a surfer had throughout the year and then if they tie on that they go back to the highest average heat total of the year I didn't hear explained which one Sophie got the nod on but that is how that's decided for anybody who's been wondering and God, you got to feel for Teresa, man. A win and two-thirds in four of her counting events, and that's not good enough to qualify for the women's side. Do you think that it's a little bit too tight on the women's side? Like, they, they need to open it up a bit more? How do we reconcile this? No, nah, not really. I don't think anything
1: needs to change. I, I love how competitive it is. You really know where you stand. It's not like the men's tour where you're almost like, oh, you know, ninth and a fifth, and you're on the women you know it's it's thirds and above and as you've seen here even that's still not enough to guarantee you a spot uh and i I think the main reason why i don't really believe anything needs to change there is that i love the women's tour size wise they can get to a point on the ct finishing an event after just doing one really big day if they, if they go from dawn till dusk at any location around the world on day one, they can get their event in a position to finish on, you know, the, the tail end of that same swell or, you know, wait another swell cycle and, and nail it at the end. So yeah, I, I really like where the, where the women's tour is at.
0: It's been an advocate, not necessarily for increasing the women's field, but for decreasing the men's field a bit and bringing them both closer to, like if they were both, starting the season at maybe like 20 or 24 surfers, like that would feel okay to me as well. I, I definitely don't think making the women's tour 32 or 36 or whatever is a good idea just because that would just increase contest times. we've talked about all the issues with that before, but maybe there is a meeting in the middle of some sorts that has to happen somewhere down the line. Um, but anyway, overall, Haliva on the men's side, John John obviously won. It feels like it's kind of a formality um especially since the waves were good and we've said it before but he's just in such a different league of surfer out there in waves any wave that have power basically there's just nobody that comes anywhere close to him it's like kanoa right kanoa finished fifth in the world this year he's obviously like a, a highly highly tuned surfer top surfer in the world and it's just night and day like they're just not he's twice as good as the fifth best surfer in the world you know what i mean like it's just Kanoa got second in this event I guess you know by the numbers they weren't that far apart but watching them on a wave it's like Kanoa is obviously a tactician he's an athlete but John is like a freaking alien and an artist like it's it's just totally different leagues John John is the best surfer in the world and anybody who thinks otherwise to me is just an idiot
1: I don't think that he's twice as good as the world number four Ethan Ewing I think Ethan's got a lot still on his plate to figure out how to just win heats that he should just be winning However, Ethan at his best and John at his best. I don't think it's double. I think they're actually pretty damn close, and I, I would even give Ethan the nod for watchability. Like what Ethan did on like his nine five out there, man, that's as that's as good. Like in in my eyes, and I think Ross Williams was on the same page. Like he was losing his marbles in the booth over Ethan Ewing. Uh, Ethan's problem is his consistency. He just can't put it together for a whole event. I'm not saying Ethan's better than John. I think John is the best surfer in the world. Um, I'm I'm in agreeing with you there, but I don't think he's twice as good as Ethan. I think I think that'd be a f- really good
0: really good heat to watch. They're man on man out there. I think you're out of your mind. For Ethan to beat John, he would have to be on waves that were three points better than John's. John's so much more powerful. He's so much more attacking on the face. Ethan's lines are maybe a little bit cleaner, and he has a you know maybe a little bit better of like a style. But what John does, it's like this brute power mixed with this unbelievable, you know, athletic, gummy ability. And just like I said, like an artistry. The way he's doing those giant carves and then linking them into the tube, like just with all that speed. Nobody else is doing that. Nobody else is seeing that. He just has a different read of the ocean mixed with this amazing physical ability that to me, it's not even close. John
1: is seeing things out there that nobody else is seeing. He reads the wave better than anyone in the world and um you know no doubt he's he's absolutely got that place on the end of his pinky finger
0: all right well i have taken the leap after watching john john i put 250 on him on betonline.ag to win the world title this year i know that that goes against everything that i've said in the past you know four years i guess as john's gotten injury after injury and you know, statistics would tell us that it's likely that he'll get injured again, or maybe he's due for one. So I'm betting that he's due for one. The odds are, I think, as good as they'll be all year. If you want to get in on it now, I think now is a really good time. Of course, there is a bit of risk involved, but that's betting. So I've got some money on him to win. I also put money on Felipe again just because the season ender is at lowers. So all he has to do is get in the top five, and then he becomes maybe the favorite out there depending on what the conditions are. So that's what I'm looking at. And yeah, overall, Haleva, anything else you want to talk about before we kind of get into a little bit of the rookie class next year?
1: Uh, No, I think that um, I didn't get to watch as much of it as what I would have liked. A bit of a, uh, you know, Gold Coast swell event uh, occurred over those last couple of days. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm stoked for Liam O'Brien. I think like his story there is pretty uh, pretty gritty. A lot of determination there to kind of you know essentially get on and then not surf a heat all year. Um, so for anyone you know wondering, he will be a rookie um, full blown. I think you used to have to surf seven events to be classified as um, you know a full time member. I think that's still the case. I think Baron was sort of in that conversation last year or this year. So yeah, he will be a rookie and um, yeah, I'm stoked to see him do it. Okay.
0: So just to read down the list on the men's side as the qualifiers, and this is in descending order. So the top guys right here are going to have the best seeds going into the 2023 championship tour season. We have Leo Firavanti, Ryan Callanan, Rio Waida, Maxime Husino, Ramsey Bukayam, Michael Rodriguez, Ian Gentile, Joel Chianca, Liam O'Brien, and Ezekiel Lau. On that list, we have five rookies. So that's Rio, Maxime, Ramsey, Ian, and as you said, Liam. On the women's side, we have Betty Lou Sakura-Johnson, who ended up winning it with that last event, Macy Callahan, Molly Picklum, Katie Simmers, and Sophie McCulloch. Two rookies that year will be Katie and Sophie. So we're looking at a year with a decent amount of rookies, like not as many as last year. Last year was a bit of an anomaly due to a few different factors, but still five rookies for the men. That's a, that's a pretty good number. And it's a pretty, it's a, it's a mixed class, right? Because you have someone really young and exciting like Rio and Liam. And then you have these two sort of like veterans, Maxim Heusineau and Ramsey Bukhaim, who have been on the QS full time for 11 and 12 years, respectively. And then you have Ian Gentile, who's sort of a mix of the two, like he was this really young superstar, who then sort of disappeared, and then came back and now is sort of in that like veteran category, but this is his first time ever qualifying, so... Um, I think we're going to do a separate episode to talk about the rookie class and really break down how we think they'll do. And then on the women's side, obviously, you have Katie. We've talked so much about her. She doesn't really need any further introduction. And Sophie is sort of the true wild card. Like, I I hadn't seen her surf much up until this year. And, um, yeah, I think your comparison to her, like, well, she's obviously she's from the same place. And I think her, you know, surfing could be relatively compared to Isabella Nichols as well. So, again, we'll break that down later, but I just wanted to give everybody an overview of who's making it. So there is one character who is qualified this year that I do feel like I have this sort of connection to, right? You may remember during the U.S. Open, there was a man on the beach with no shirt and a sign, and it said, Huesenau, 2911." As I said before, Maxime Houseneau has been on the QS for 12 years. Hasn't qualified yet. He's had some wild cards. He's actually done okay with some wild cards, you know, in the in the France event and everything. Um, but as the Oracle Surf ads told us, it's not what you know. It's Houseneau. And I'm going to state it right now. He is my Jacko Baker for the 2023 season. I feel that we're sort of divinely bound after this experience. And um, yeah, I'm going to be basically... Putting all my chips in his corner.
1: And just read what else you think about yourself there uh, at the end.
0: Ah, yes. I also think that for some unknown reason, I've been gifted the power of divine omniscience. So at next year's US Open, I will declare the next CS warrior to ascend the ranks on the beach with my sign. And this is going to keep going until I'm wrong.
1: Clappy Min, I am doing a podcast with God. That is just. Wow, I knew I knew I had it in me. I bloody knew it. Uh, I am looking forward to you getting stuck right in to some good, honest qualifying series surfing next year. You know, because you're going to have to be right across the board about the next crop of talent that's coming through. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see your findings, and I can't wait to see whose name goes on the board <laughs> next year at uh, Huntington Beach.
0: Um, so that's that, Stacey Haliva. We obviously know that the Vans Pipe Masters are coming up. However we don't want to talk about that until the heat draw is announced because the truth of the matter is the heat draw determines really the entire storyline of this event because it's not just who's in your first round heat it's who's in your first second and third round heat and of course we want to see how good the waves are going to be as well. Right now it's looking like it's going to be small for the first period but there is a lot of energy in the back end of the window which is exciting. We're going to you know, see how many days of competition they need to run and break that down a little bit further. Maybe later this week, the heat draw is getting announced on Wednesday night. They're doing it lottery style, kind of vis-a-vis stab high. They're going to, you know, basically pick out names out of a hat. There's still going to be two Hawaiians and two non-Hawaiians in each heat. And I think that will kind of determine how that event plays out.
1: Yeah, because that'll be cool. Nevertheless, there'll be some uh, tension in the draw there.
0: Um, We did get some new additions, though. Did you see this? I did. We had a lot of surfers fall mm. out in mm. the past week of mm. this event. So, you know, Gabby's out, Italo's out, Felipe's out, all for different reasons. Jack Robinson pulled out because he basically had appendicitis, his appendix nearly burst, he had to go into emergency surgery. John John is whooped after Haliva wants to get a rest. Hold uh, the phone. Hold the phone.
1: Hold, hold, hold the phone. John 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 Florence pulled out of a hour and a half. Of surfing pipeline with only four people out. That's correct. He did the bloody QS 1000 there this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, think about it though. He doesn't want to get hurt. Nah, no, nah, he's not that type of guy. No.
1: no, he's not gonna. If a swell pops up tomorrow, he's gonna be out there. He doesn't want to get hurt. You can't live your life like that. Oh, what? Do what? You, what do you want me to tell you? He's out. In what? In what? bloody metaverse am i living in that john forrest doesn't do an event at pipeline
0: again i think he's thinking long term here he's had enough injuries over the past few years that he doesn't want to fuck this one up again he knows i got 250 on him
1: all right well he better not surf his first round heat then in the comp in the ct because you you don't actually lose that heat so (laughs) might as well just start in round two
0: Anyway, we've got some exciting new names filling these gaps. We got Aton, we got Josh Moniz, we got Shane Sykes, and a whole list of others. You can find those on the site. And again, we'll be breaking them down in more detail in our next episode, which might go on the back end of this week's drop with Buck. So more info coming soon once the Heat draw is out. Awesome. Can't wait. Anything else, Stacey?
1: Yeah, one last thing, um, which I find remarkable. Obviously, we were, um, you know thought Alyssa Spencer was going to get the job done. She didn't. Sent her a message the other day, and I was very surprised to learn that she's going to stay in Hawaii until January the 2nd. And I just think that is the greatest attitude on the planet. And it's, you know, it's very hard to kind of sit there after a year on the QE and not quite, you know, making it to not want to just bail home. And, um, you know, I just think that, you know, if there's any young listeners out there, you know, make a note. That's how you do it. You, you, you suck up your losses and then you get stuck in and hopefully get some big barrels. Yeah,
0: it's got to be tough too. Like two years in a row, she was right there at Haliva. And two years in a row, she came up just short. So good honor for sticking around. I think that's a great idea. And clearly, we know what her aspirations are and we know her levels there as well. So it's just a matter of time. Absolutely.
1: Oh, Mikey, great to chat. I hope you have a lovely, uh, lovely dinner.
0: Thank you, Stacey. And uh, until next time, over and out.